Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in studio. Well, I mean, I'm back in studio at least for a midweek segment. We don't have these very often, so this is a special segment. But with the NFL draft last week, it means that this week we have the CFL draft. And we figured we did such a good job covering the NFL draft. Leave your comments on Twitter, please. That we wanted to cover the CFL draft just as well. And we have a special guest joining me today. Former University of Toronto linebacker and current co-host of the Canadian Football Perspective or CF Perspective podcast, Wade Zanketa. Wade, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to be able to see you again. It's been uh, over a month since we left the airport there in uh, Toronto after uh, we landed from Tampa. So it's glad to be able to see some friendly faces. Absolutely. And anytime we get to talk about sports is always a good thing. <laughs> um, for those of you who are wondering, me and Wade are classmates uh, in sports journalism trying to make our way into this field. And we've both done a pretty good job of it so far. And we're just trying to get better as we go along. So we figured it would be a good way to bring him in. And he is more than knowledgeable about Canadian football, that's for sure, having played in the U Sports system and now working with people like Marshall Ferguson at Canadian Football Perspective, you know he has a lot to say. So let's jump right into it. And the CFL Draft is happening on Thursday, so make sure you tune into that. The CFL Draft is a little bit different than the NFL Draft. Not as many rounds, obviously not as many teams, because there's only nine in the CFL, um, but there's some weird territorial picks in there too, so we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But we're gonna go team by team, break down what they need in this draft, and Wade is gonna give us his pick on who they might be aiming for in the first round. So Wade, I'm gonna give it to Dealer's Choice. Do you want to start in the West, or would you like to start in the East? Uh, we can start in the West and work our way across if you want. Sounds good to me, man. And uh, in the West, obviously, if we're gonna go all the way west. We're looking at the BC Lions, who were the only Western team not to make the playoffs last year, finishing with a 5-13 and record. Good for fifth in the West behind Edmonton, who had a six-point advantage on them. BC has been struggling the last couple of years, and obviously that Western division is really, really strong. What do you think their biggest needs are heading into this draft? Um, I joked uh, a couple episodes with Connor. Uh, that they need O-line, O-line, and more O-line. Um, they are absolutely atrocious up front, and after investing a lot of money in Mike Riley, uh, I think they're going to make a pretty concerted effort here early in the CFL draft to patch that up. Uh, another spot they could go is linebacker. Uh, that's usually a spot they try to fill with some national guys, but uh, they lost Jordan Herdman-Reed this year in free agency, so uh, they definitely could look to fill that void. Um, but yeah, O-line's the biggest one that I see for them. Um, someone I could see them going with early in the draft. Um, 
they've got a third overall pick. So if they went with Catalase from Laval or Thomas Jaskardila from Buffalo, uh, those would be two great picks. Uh, they are 2A and 2B in terms of offensive linemen. Um, but because of the recent signing of Carter O'Donnell to the Indianapolis Colts, uh, there might be some teams, I know you wanted to talk about this later, but it's topical right now too. Um, Carter O'Donnell could slide to three, and if I, if he drops two spots in that draft, uh, there's no way I would pass up on him. I, I just finished another mock draft today, and he's still my one number one. Um, but if he somehow felt them in number three, I, I don't think they could pass on him. Yeah, he is a very highly talked about recruit and playing at the University of Alberta uh, during his university career. He uh, he got the chance to showcase that and caught the eye of some NFL teams. So he, he got signed by the Colts, right? Yeah, and uh, he received a $25,000 signing bonus, which I know isn't the biggest of money uh, signings that you've heard of in pro sports. But um, for an undrafted free agent, it uh, means he had a bidding war with some teams. Uh, I know we talked about that in my most recent episode of the podcast with Marshall, and Marshall said, like, usually when you see about 25000 uh, you know there's a bidding war, so there's a good chance he sticks, but as an undrafted free agent, you never really know. What does that mean for the draft, though? If, if People think he's going to stick down in Indy, um, and he was the projected number one pick. Obviously, there's players like Neville Gallimore and Chase Claypool who actually went in the NFL draft who are expected to stay down there as well. So they're probably not getting picked in the CFL draft. Um, how do you think that shakes up the draft if, say, he does fall to three or four or five? Uh, I think it'll I think it'll change people's value or the way they draft. Because uh, while you do hope that he sticks down south, uh, I don't think that's an overly high chance. I mean, undrafted free agents are, are usually a dime a dozen for a team uh, to keep. But with the draft coming up so quickly after the NFL draft, teams don't know. And there's no many camps to really show uh, that chance, like whether he's going to stick or not. Um, so you have guys like Catelise and Thomas Jacardilla who have been just waiting for the CFL draft. They did not get a chance in undrafted free agency for the NFL. And uh, I think they could possibly jump them. But if I was the GM of Calgary or BC, um, I, I would not pass up any opportunity to get him. He's an absolute steal of prospect. Um, he's going to come in and impact your team right away. And I think that you could uh, be very, very, very um, – I don't know what the word to say is. Uh, you'd be hard pressed if you, if yeah, I think you'd be regretting the fact that you didn't take him a couple years down the road. Absolutely, he's that good of a player, and obviously, we both watched U uh, Sports football all year last year. You and me talked about it ad nauseum when we got to class. But it's uh, he was one of the players who stood out all year and was one of the top ranked players in the CFL uh, Bureau's scouting list as well. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go that high. Um, but with the uncertainty, you just never know. Um, for people wondering, because I kind of jumped into it without even going through the draft order, and I probably should have done that first. Um, Calgary Stampeders have pick one. Toronto Argonauts have pick two. BC Lions, Edmonton Eskimos, Hamilton Tiger Cats, Ottawa Red Blacks, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Hamilton again at eight, and then the Toronto Argonauts again at nine. Um, 
that pick was from Winnipeg for the Zach Kalaros deal. Um, lots going on there. And I think the crazy thing is, is that BC had some bright spots last year. So they're just looking to build on that and getting an O-line, as you said, it would be a massive boost to that team. Moving yeah, on. Saw, oh, go ahead. Yeah, they saw Mike Riley, Brian Burnham, and Shaq Johnson really, really elevate their game. Uh, last year, I mean, it's hard to say Mike Riley elevates his game from where he was playing previous years, <laughs> but uh, Burnham and Johnson show that they are absolute star playmakers in the CFL. I think the next step is just to get guys to allow Riley to get the ball to them. And another year for that, they, they have a fairly young team out in BC, so another year for them is going to be big. Um, yeah. Let's move a little bit further east. And we'll hit in Calgary. They've got the number one overall pick this year uh, based on trades for it with the uh, Red Blacks that sent Nick Arbuckle. Um, what do they need? Because they, they finished second last year in the West, two points behind Saskatchewan. One, one win, and they're tied for first in the very, very difficult West. How do they get even better and push themselves over the top? I think they need to fill the void Alex Singleton left at linebacker. Uh, that's usually a national spot on the Stampeders, and that's why I think people are giving a lot of press to Jordan Williams, uh, the ECU linebacker who put on a show at the regional combine uh, before everything got canceled. So I think uh, that's one of the biggest needs, but I think they could also use offensive line help um, and also wide receiver. Obviously, there's Juwan Breskison leaving for Toronto. Uh, there's going to be a void there left by him and I think they could look to fill that this year with another national or young national receiver um, first round selections uh, gonna say Carter again uh, he's my guy at the top of my board uh, unquestioned uh, but another guy that's getting thrown up in that conversation now is Jordan Williams like I mentioned um, his freak athleticism uh, drawn, drew a lot of attention at the Ontario Combine and uh, I think it, I think it's played into his favor that there was no other combines to show off, <laughs> um, kind of leaving him as the only guy to get talked about. Um, so I think they could fill either of those two guys as their pick, really. Um, but yeah, that's who I'd go with. I was going to ask you about Williams because he was sort of under the radar throughout the season, unranked on the Canadian uh, CFL Scouting Bureau's list. Um, lots of different issues going on. What do you think? his impact could be right away. Uh, given his athletic ability, obviously his 40 times, nothing to ignore, especially a linebacker. Uh, just absolutely flew at the combine. But that, that kind of athleticism would allow him to make an instant impact on specials. Um, if you slotted him in, in uh, on your defense, uh, you'd get sideline to sideline range and someone that would be able to fill gaps quicker than usual. Um, I think it would be benefit to have him in the pass game. You'd always be able to do a lot more uh, with your coverages and in man coverage as well. Uh, with his speed, you could take away a number three receiver potentially. So uh, I think he could make a huge impact on the team. It's just whatever team picks him up and how they want to use him. Fair enough. Hey, no, he's been flying up boards, and that's why I wanted to ask. Um, you are obviously much, mo much more uh, well-versed in Canadian football than I am, but... I, his name has been coming up everywhere I've heard, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, so the Stampeders finished second in the division. 
Let's move to the team that finished fourth in the division and ended up crossing over in the CFL playoff, Edmonton. And not only did they cross over, but they beat Montreal to get to the East Final, which doesn't normally happen on the crossover. Um, what are they looking at in this uh, draft that, I mean, a lot of teams are probably looking at some of the same lineman stuff because it's so heavily lineman oriented, but what do they need this this year? them and uh they don't really have a whole lot of like desperate needs um obviously their pass rush is pretty solidified with Kwaku Boateng and Matthew Betts um two premier young national edge rushers uh we've actually slotted them quite a few times going with the D lineman in the draft uh to help boost that interior you could say Mason Bennett from North Dakota you could say Michael Hoyt from Brown um who signed as a priority free agent with the Rams, um, but I think they're also trying. They've also been spending some time and investing draft picks in national DBs. Um, sitting with them, uh, you could also see them take Marc Antoine Decroix from Montreal, another priority free agent. But I, uh, I really think that some of these guys have a uh, whole lot of value. The teams are going to be hard pressed to find uh, with the low stick rate of undrafted free agents. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I think I think you nailed it right on the head. Like. Picking up a D-line might be their their best option in the first round, but I really don't know. Who do you think they actually end up taking when it comes down to it? Uh, I think they go with Bennett. I'd like to see them take Hoyt. Um, I think Cam Lawson would be a bit of a reach going that high in the draft. Uh, as big of a playmaker Cam Lawson is at D-tackle, um, same with Hoyt and his athleticism. Uh, I think that Mason Bennett's just a safer pick there um someone that can get after it uh multiple ways uh, I, i'd like them to take hoyt or lawson but i really think that bennett's going to be the option they end up taking fair enough i like it i think that's a good pick and i watched cam lawson play this year he's a beast but i think you're right bennett might be the safer pick moving yeah, west uh, or moving east again <laughs> it's uh the saskatchewan rough riders won the West Division last year had a record of 13-5 and five and had the second most points in the entire league. So what do they need to maybe push them over the hump in the playoffs where they lost? I think they need to add on to their pass rush. I mean, Charleston Hughes is not getting any younger. Um, and I think they could start to move into a national player this fall. Uh, a guy like Isaac Adeyemi Berglund from southeastern Louisiana um, really, really fits here for me. Um, just a big physical edge rusher who can get around the edge as well, or has the speed to get around the edge as well. Um, I, I think that he, him or Cam Lawson here as we, we bring up old names again. But <laughs> down at uh, seven, I think Cam Lawson's a bit more in range. Uh, he would definitely be a presence in the middle for them. And if they still wanted to use Charlton Hughes as their main guy, I mean, who wouldn't? But uh, he, Cam would be able to swallow up double teams and hold guys away from their extra blitzers or edge rushers. Man, I watched him play when he played Western this year. He is just a freak in that on that line and can manhandle people. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing that uh, Cam Lawson brings is the ability to be double rushed or double team, triple team. Uh, as much as he was in U Sports this last season and still get the frequent pressures that he did. 
Um, the guy's got a high motor. He's a great guy, too. Um, I, I think he's absolutely fantastic, and I really hope to see him succeed next year. I think we all – honestly, it, I know this might sound biased, but like you and me coming from OUA areas – I think we kind of just want to see the Canadian boys, the OUA boys doing well at the next level. So I think we're a little biased. I'll admit to that. That's fine. <laughs> um, but no, I think he he has that motor and he has that drive that he wants to be the best. And like, I got a quick like 30 seconds to talk to him before a game and he was just the happiest guy. <laughs> like He just wants to play and he wants to get better. And if he's going to be able to do it, I think he has a real good chance of going in the first round this year, as you said. Yeah, uh, mid to late first round or very high in the second round. Uh, I don't expect him to be on the board for very long on Thursday night, so no. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can see him go somewhere. Yeah, that's what we're hoping, and that's the only thing that we can ask for. Um, moving even east further for the last Western team and the reigning Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who. May have surprised some teams last year. Caught them a little by surprise, finishing third in the division and only four points out of first. And then going on that run that they had in the playoffs, they solidified some positions last year. Which positions are do you think that they're going to go at this year in the draft? Uh, I can see them taking some defensive linemen or defensive backs, uh, just adding to their national depth at those spots, uh, getting a bit younger as well. Um, they don't have a first round pick, so we can't really give some guys to them. That's but, true. Uh, in the second in the second round, they have pick eighteen. Um, I can see them going with Nicholas Daly from Saskatchewan or Noah Hallett from McMaster. So that would be those would both be interesting picks. Um, Jack Casser might still be there too, as a linebacker for them. Um, from he played at Carleton last few years he could be an interesting pick depending on how the picks fall but at that 18 yeah, spot he might be in range if Kasai's there at 18 I think I think teams would be trying to get up and grab him um Nick Daly though is a guy that I mentioned as one of the possibilities and he's he's unique because he plays on the d-line but he can do anything he can line up at linebacker he can drop into coverage, blitz from linebacker, pass rush off the edge, plays strong in the run game, uh, has a high sack total from his time at Saskatchewan um, and Regina when he was there. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's just a guy that's so versatile in his, in his play that uh, if they looked at it using a depth pick on him in that late second round, uh, they'd be getting someone that could do a whole lot for them. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, that's the e- that's the West. Now we have the fun of the East, where you know we are, and it was a tough year for the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt about it. But we'll start at the top because I mean, that's the farthest Western team in the Eastern Conference. We'll start with Hamilton, who ran away with the division. Like it wasn't even close. They were the best team by far. In the Eastern Conference, they actually finished first in the league on 30 points with the most points for and the fewest points against in the entire league. So how do you get better from that, Wade? Uh, I think you have to look at the Grey Cup. And when they got into that Grey Cup against Winnipeg, you saw Winnipeg push them around. Um, 
the reasoning that I'm going to go with these positions here is just because you need to be able to push back and hold your own uh, in those crossover games and be able to, you want to compete for the great cup. And if that's the thing you're missing last year, you want to be able to build off that. So I think they could use interior defensive linemen, linebackers. Um, later in the draft, I, I could see them adding some more national defensive backs. Uh, they've obviously got their safeties filled with Tony Adelke and Mike Daly. Um, but they're starting to get older on the inside with Delvin Bro. Um, so I'd like to see them address some depth there. Uh, but guys on the in- interior D-line that we're talking about, uh, Michael Hoyt again. They've got two selections, so I could see them going Hoyt. Well, in one of our mock drafts, I actually had them going Hoyt and then Lawson at eight if he was still there, um, just double-dipping on the D-line. Right. Uh, but another guy that could, they could see uh, picking with their second or picking the first round um, would be Adam O'Clair from Laval. Yeah. Um, O'Clair has been a mystery for a lot of people because he's kind of like uh, I know Marshall Ferguson said this to us uh, on in our episode for Monday. Um, he's kind of like Isaiah Simmons in the States where he just lines up all over the field and wherever he lines up, he makes plays. Um, Connor and I have talked about him playing at Sam linebacker somewhere where you could use him in the box, use him out covering down receivers. Right. Um, I think that he brings a certain kind of, I don't know, I, I say he has a knack for the ball. Uh, I think that would be really helpful in their defense. Um, to add an outside linebacker that can do that uh, and flow as well as he could along with uh, some of the DBs that they have with their rangy speed. Um, but yeah, D-line linebacker, I could see them going the first round. Fair enough, I like that. Um also, big news for kickers, Liram Harulahu obviously signed down in the States. Um, so, big thing that they might need to look for, the Tiger Cats, is Harulahu and filling that role. Um, do you think they might take a kicker late in the fourth round, or do you think that's a undrafted free agent sort of signing there? Uh, I think because of the kickers you have in the CFL draft, this year, I think you could see them take a mid-round selection on one. Um, obviously, a guy that you know, Mark Leggio, uh, is sitting right there. Absolutely phenomenal kicker. Um, another guy is Dante Brown from Fort Hayes State down in the States. Uh, he had some pretty good pretty good totals from this last year, too. But uh, if they don't decide to, I don't think it would be the worst thing. They still have the rights for Mike DeMaglo from Carlton. Right. Uh, he kicked for them in the preseason last year. I thought he did a pretty good job. No, for sure, and he's so a could, great kicker. Yeah, I could see them taking Legio. Uh, I have a mock draft that just finished today, and I have them taking Legio late in the fourth round. So great minds think alike, my man. <laughs> I was just wondering because, like, I was I was a big Harulahu fan. Um, I told you I when I was at Western, I actually got to kick with him during practice. Well, not during practice. When he was practicing by himself, I happened to also be on the field practicing. And he took the time to train with me, and I I always remembered that. So I've always wanted him to do well, and I've followed his career. And seeing that he went off, I'm like, hey, they have a hole now. Maybe maybe Wade might think they might take a pick, and clearly you do. So I was right. Good for me. (laughs) I also want to talk about kickers because there is a kicker on the CFL – scouting bureau's top 20 list and you had thoughts on this and i know you do do you want to take it away <laughs> uh jj molson from ucla 
uh, listed at number 20 there on the Scouting Bureau's new list. Um, I've been very vocal about this. That I do not understand why this is even here. Um, at Skip Perspective, Colin and I have a big board of our top 100 players. Um, we have three kickers on it. He's not one of them. Uh, the guy kicked 57% down in UCLA. And as a kicker, you have Google kicker. You have one job. That is to hit <laughs> your kicks. Um, you can't put it any more blunt than that. Uh, yep. I, I, it baffles me to see him up there with such low accuracy numbers. I mean, a lot of youth sports kickers have higher totals than that. Well, we just um, talked about one. So. Like, Yeah, and like I don't understand why Legio is in, in the conversation if J.J. Molson happens to be. So that's just my quick little rant. I don't have to get too much into it right now. That's fine. No, I, I... Very aggravating topic for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, we'll move on. <laughs> um, next team on our list is the Toronto Argos, our, my hometown team at least. And they struggled. I, I don't really know how else to say it. They, they looked like they needed a lot of help last year, and there's no doubt about it. It comes on the, hey, wait a minute. I think we've talked about this. The offensive and defensive lines. Wade, we want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it uh, comes down to they found the quarterback, hopefully, in uh, Nichols this year. So now they need to address the offensive line again. They added Shane Richards last year from Oklahoma State. Um, I could see them adding another off guy high in this draft, like Catella, say, or Thomas Jack Cadilla. Um, they're those two, like I said, are 2A, 2B, and uh, sitting there at 2, they get their pick of the litter. Uh, later in the draft, though, they have that, or in the first round, they have that last selection. Um, the guy that we've had going to them is Adam O'Claire. Yeah. Um, for reasons I just mentioned, he just can play so many different spots. Um, but another guy that's listed is Samuel Achampong from Laurier. Uh, okay. He is massive. Like, he, is, he brings a whole lot to the table. Uh, and he can play inside or outside. Uh, if you had a 3-4 scheme, you'd be able to put him right at end because you'd be able to rush him inside, put him outside. You can leave him at 3-tech, uh, put him all the way out on the edge. Um, I think that he could bring a whole lot to their scheme and just, like I said with Eau Claire, play multiple spots. Uh, right. But for him, it'd be along the D-line and hopefully create some pressure for them. Yeah, and they, they desperately need help. Like, I could see them taking three linemen in the first three picks. Like, they, either offensive or defensive, they need help. It was ugly last year. There's no doubt about it. Not as ugly as Ottawa, but it was ugly. Yeah, and, uh, good segue into Ottawa, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go right into Ottawa. Yeah, no, that was – Ottawa had the roughest year in the CFL. And it, it – as good as – Toronto was, note the sarcasm, folks, Ottawa was even worse, somehow giving up 564 points in 18 games. It doesn't look good. And when you only win three games out of 18, you know it's a rough year. What do they need other than, you know, everything to to get better in uh, 2020? Yeah, I mean, they just signed Jalen Saunders, um, who was a receiver with the Ticats for a couple years. Uh, so I think he's a great playmaker for them. But that is not enough. They still just have a very shaky receiving court. So they definitely need to address that. Um, but another spot, you mentioned how many uh, yards and points and 
all that they gave up last yeah. year. It was not pretty. No, um, no, it was the, not. The defensive back is something they really have to address. Um, so the three guys I have listed here are Marc-Antoine Decois, who's the best defensive back in this class. Um, Dejan Brissett, who's the top receiver in the class, if they got somehow uh, lucky enough to have him fly to them in the well, I guess he, they have the first pick of the second round, so they could grab him there. Um, or Adam O'Claire. And Adam O'Claire, I've mentioned as a linebacker in the last two teams um, when we talk about him as a possible selection. But with the Red Blacks, I see Adam or Antoine Pruneau, and I see Adam O'Claire, and I just see kind of the same player. Right. Um, Pruno's a guy that's frustrated me the last couple of years watching him. <laughs> um, Don't they all? Just not. Yeah. Well, uh, I just find that Eau Claire would be someone that could, if they wanted to stick with Pruno for another year, he could wait and then take over that spot. Right. Uh, but I think they need to go with the Quad uh, in the first round. Uh, they need to address that, and he's a guy that could play anywhere on their defense and make an impact right away. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually completely agree with you. Um, by the way, we have a soft spot for the Ottawa Red Blacks here because Gabe Ferraro, friend of the show, also one of our sponsors from his Canada Kicking Academy, just got signed by them in the offseason. So we kind of hope they do better, but at the same time, like they need so much help. It's it's sort of hard to, hard to ignore that statement. Um, and yes, we will always say when we're biased on this show because it's only fair. And we'll still rip on the teams that we're biased towards, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we got one more team before we get into a couple other small things, and it's the first, uh, second place in the East, Montreal Alouettes, who looked to shore up their quarterback situation last year, but still struggled when it came to teams outside of, well, Toronto and Ottawa. They went 4-1 and one against Toronto and Ottawa. Don't get me wrong, they played great in games that were all decided by one touchdown. That's not good enough against the bottom two teams in the entire league. So what do they need this year going into this draft, Wade, that you think that they're going to address in the first round, maybe even second? Well, they don't have a first-round pick, so like you said, the second round uh, is going to be theirs again. Right, that. Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> but uh, they, I think they could uh, definitely use some help at linebacker. Um their new GM, Danny Michaud, just said that he wanted to tap into, I believe it was the well that is U Sports Football and Quebec Football. Yes, he did. Um, so there are some big spots there. Uh, Enoch Mwamba, 31. Uh, they have John Gabboulain from Western sitting there at linebacker. I think they, or they have DJ Lalama from Manitoba. Uh, I could see them adding to that and going with the guy from the University of Montreal, uh, which is uh, Brian Harilama uh, in the second round. Obviously, he's not in the Jordan Williams, Jack Kassar, but I believe he's right behind Kassar in those rankings. Yeah. Um, and he happens to be from Quebec. So that would be a spot for, or he went to school in Quebec. So there would be a big desire, I think, to fill that spot. For sure. Um, I could see them adding a wide receiver as well. Obviously, Quan Bray was involved in some extracurricular activities down south this offseason. Yep. Uh, so he is not going to be playing for a while. Uh, so they could fill void there. Um, so, yeah, I could see them adding playmakers there. And then defensive line, uh, I know they've been trying to the last couple of years to add some national depth there. But uh, 
I, I think they can just keep adding. There's some guys from McGill, who's the defensive tackle, Andrew Senet Spalding. Uh, I think he could be a guy they look to add later in the draft. Uh, just another Quebec guy. Uh, definitely someone that can move the pile on the inside. Yeah, and Machosha was very, very keen on adding Canadian depth from the U Sports ranks, obviously. So a player like the McGill guy you just mentioned, and even possibly I could see Dylan Giffen maybe along the interior line in later rounds, obviously not not necessarily second round. Uh, another Western product, but someone who is a national product, and that's what Machocha's leaning towards. So it could be a very interesting draft for Montreal as well. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they uh, go about it this time. Uh, obviously, a new regime is in, um, but a lot of the same scouts are still around. So it'll be interesting to see the mix of the two philosophies. For sure, for sure. Well, that's nine teams. We've gone west to east, covered everybody. Now let's get into some of the players that maybe we didn't mention. And the weird the weird little caveat in the CFL draft is something called territorial picks. And in the second round, if I'm correct, I think there's two territorial picks in the second round. And it's yeah, there's... Ottawa and Toronto at the end of the second round. Can you tell maybe fans who don't know as much what the territorial picks are? Uh, so the territorial picks are given out at the end of the second round each year. The teams with the highest waiver priority, which means you were the worst in the league, and we're going to give you a couple extra picks here. Um, but the one catch with those picks is that they have to be guys that who, who grew up in your region. Um, so each region is pretty laid out outside of Ontario. Um, obviously, Quebec. Uh, you get a lot of that with Montreal, uh, Manitoba with Winnipeg, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But once you get into on Ontario, there's three franchises. So the borders become a bit skewed. Um, so I could see this year, Ottawa has missed their quarterback badly last year. Uh, this year, they went out and traded for Nick Arbuckle, signed him to a big extension. But he has not played a full season as a starter, so you don't know what you're going to get. Right. Um, I could see them going with a guy like Nathan Rourke, uh, one of the top quarterback in the draft. Um, he played down in Ohio for the last four years and did not get picked up last week in the NFL draft. Um, I could see them grabbing him as kind of an insurance piece um, to just use the extra pick on him to right. fill that spot with their territorial needs being from Oakville, um, which, again, it comes down to the lines being skewed. I was going to say, um, Oakville is not Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, but uh, then you get the Argos with their pick. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with this one. Uh, I've tossed it around a couple times. Um, because there's a flyer element to this, Like you can really just take a chance. Yeah, um, You're getting an extra pick, essentially, in the draft. Um, I ha We've slotted them in with Achimpong. Uh, at the start of the round and then at the second or at the end of that second round uh, with their territorial, we've had them going with Noah Howlett, a guy from Hamilton. Yeah. Um, well, he grew up in London, went to Mac. Uh, I could see them grabbing him. Another guy that I've talked about them grabbing is Cedric Trevel Pinto, uh, a wide receiver from UBC. 
Uh, he had some off-the-field issues that prevented him from playing this last season uh, at UBC and having to forfeit his draft or delay his draft year to this year. Okay. Um, he's a guy that's absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. He can return kicks and punts for you as well as catch out of the backfield. Uh, he even played DB for some some plays in UBC. Um, guy that has just crazy speed, and I could see them taking a chance on him at the end of the second round. Uh, you'd get a lot of value with him, but there is that off-the-field question. Fair enough. Um, another name that I saw being thrown around for the Ottawa Territorial pick is obviously Neville Gallimore. Now, he was taken in the NFL draft, and there's no way for them to know if he's going to last, but being a, what was he, a third-round pick? Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that he's going to stick with the Cowboys down in Dallas this year. So that pick could be used for a future in which Gallimore comes back to Canada, but I highly doubt that. Again, it was just something that I saw thrown around on a couple mock drafts. I think, actually, it was uh, Marshall's mock draft. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was his older one. He just said, like, at this point, we don't know where he's going in the NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, why not take a flyer on it? So uh, I think Marshall might change his. He's Maybe. got another one coming in pretty soon. Um, so we'll see where he goes with this one. Uh, but yeah, Neville's an Ottawa guy, so they'd let, it'd be cool to keep him home. Of course. Of course. Um, who do you think is going to be your biggest surprise in the draft? Player who might be off the radar a little bit, but might surprise people getting like a second round pick or something oh uh, i don't know if he's not gonna go this high but uh colton clausen is my guy uh, i've been talking about him lots of the last couple episodes of the cfp podcast uh he plays in saskatchewan with the huskies uh, he's a guy that can run the ball into the backfield he's a great receiver as well um he kick returns punt returns uh, really just you find a way to get the ball in his hands and he makes it happen. Um, he's kind of undersized, uh, but he plays much bigger than that. I know you got a first-hand experience with him when Western hosted that national semifinal against Saskatchewan. Uh, he had a monster game. Uh, that's what that's what put me onto him. Then his performance at the East-West Bowl in the summer uh, really showed me again, like this is not just a one-off. Right. Um, he had a bit of more of a quiet year this last year. Uh, didn't quite make the big splash as he did on the national semifinal stage the year before. Um, but I think he'll he'll be someone that a team picks up and immediately falls in love with if they use him the proper way on offense. There's a couple jack-of-all-trades players going in this draft, and I think it'll be a very interesting one. So make sure you tune in on Thursday, the CFL draft. I'm not sure how they're going to do this one. I, I know they're not going full NFL style with their virtual draft, but they're going to have it out there. Um, We will try to follow along as well and try to keep you up to date on everything that is happening. Don't forget to follow Wade and his friends. Well, I shouldn't say friends, his colleagues at uh, CF perspective, great college football, Canadian college football and Canadian football perspective going on there. Lots to talk about. We'll make sure we keep you up to date. And for everyone here, we want to thank Wade for joining us and giving us his in- insight onto the uh, Canadian football draft. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was great talking to you again. Uh, keep it tuned uh, on CF Perspective as well. Uh, we have more interviews with some high-caliber prospects coming out this week. 
Um, we had one out today with Bryson John, who was uh, one of the undrafted free agent signings uh, with the New York Giants. So, uh, good guy from Vancouver. So, uh, got to talk to him. Check it out on Twitter. Uh, you can check it out on the website at getperspective.com, uh, as well as listening on iTunes or Spotify. Nice. And I know you also talked to one of my Western boys, uh, Jonathan Femi Cole. Yeah. So, <laughs> again. Yeah, that one's going to be coming out closer to the draft. Right, of course. But that was that's a little bit of a – that was a cool in, insight. And uh, I, he's one of the smartest players I've ever had the chance to talk to. I'm, so I'm sure that interview was phenomenal. So, yeah, he's an uh, academic uh, All-Big Ten in his last year in Minnesota. So he definitely brings that – smart aspect of his game uh well that's a, sorry you can cut that out uh, <laughs> he definitely he definitely brings that that brilliance off the field with him he's a very well-spoken guy for sure um so we look forward to seeing all their stuff we also look forward to the cfl draft don't forget to check out canada kicking academy gabe and daniel are both university of guelph alumni and if you want year-round professional development on your special teams game, they're the ones you got to talk to at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and at CanadaKickingAcademy on Instagram. Because, you know, just make it easy. I love it. (laughs) So for everyone here at Garage Door Sports, uh, my name is Nick McVicker, and we will see you next time.